0: This is The Source, I'm Caitlin Collins. Tonight, Americans are among those who have been taken hostage by Hamas, a disturbing development that was confirmed by President Biden today, who is about as angry as I have ever seen him since taking office in a speech where he condemned the slaughter of at least 1,200 people in Israel, a death toll that was just updated moments ago. President Biden denouncing the attack by Hamas as, quote, sickening, evil, saying terrorists butchered innocent people, and compared the rampage to the worst of ISIS. As he condemned the terrorism in Israel, he also defended Israel's absolute right, as he put it, to defend itself.
1: This was an act of sheer evil. This is terrorism. We must be crystal clear. We stand with Israel. Israel has the right to respond, indeed has a duty to respond to these vicious attacks. I just got off the phone with The third call with Prime Minister Netanyahu, I told him, the United States experience is experiencing our response to be swift, decisive and overwhelming.
0: The president did not urge Israel to have any restraint in those remarks. He also pledged ongoing support from the U.S. I should note that after that, the first plane that was carrying U.S. ammunition actually landed in Israel tonight. Secretary of State Antony Blinken will be flying there tomorrow. Right now, we know that 20 Americans are unaccounted for tonight, but officials say it's unclear how many exactly are being held hostage. The families of at least four missing Americans are pleading for help today in Israel. They say that they're frustrated with the lack of information or even contact from officials both in the United States and in Israel. We'll speak to a family member of one of those victims tonight, one of those who is missing tonight, I should say. But first, Israel is not letting up when you look at what is happening on the ground. The IDF striking more than 100 Hamas targets again in Gaza today. Entire neighborhoods have been reduced to rubble. At least 900 people have been killed in the counteroffensive so far. Hamas is also firing hundreds of rockets towards the southern Israeli city of Ashkelon earlier today. Many of them were intercepted by Israel's Iron Dome missile defense system, That is a system that the US is promising to help keep funding tonight. And it's important to keep reminding the world of the horrors and the savagery of these attacks by Hamas. My colleague Nick Robertson spoke to an Israeli general about what he saw after arriving at a kibbutz in southern Israel that had been terrorized by Hamas.
2: They
3: run out with their children and they kill them. They kill babies in the front of their parents and then kill the parents. They kill parents and we found babies between the dogs and the and the uh, family that killed before him. He cut head of the people I had during my childhood about the pogrom in Europe and, and the Holocaust, of course. All my family came from from Europe and their survival, etc., cetera, etc. I never think that I will see in my eyes picture and 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 things like
0: this i want to get straight to anderson cooper who is live in ashdod israel tonight anderson obviously unfortunately what is really coming into clearer view today is just the size and the scope of the atrocities that have been committed i mean just even more clearer view i guess since saturday i should say u.s officials you know that we've been speaking with are openly getting choked up while talking about it what have you been seeing on the ground
4: yeah, look, you know, the early indication was 260 uh, people or more killed, slaughtered at that music festival. That was, that was a, a that was a sign of things to come. Uh, that was a, a, a horrific loss of life at one single event with thousands of people who, who had been gathered, killed, in, in just uh, horrific, very personal, uh, face-to-face, awful ways. Uh, a grenade being tossed into a, a bomb shelter, people being stabbed, all, all sorts of, of slaughter. Um, but what we're also now seeing at... At, at Kfir uh, Azah, that, that, um, that kibbutz, also near, near Oz, a, another kibbutz, all these kibbutzes which are very close to the border, they were among the first places attacked as uh, Hamas breached the border at multiple locations. And I mean, frankly, the savagery that we have seen taking place in those from, from survivors' accounts um, and evidence on the ground, as you just heard from that general, it's it's it really is coming now into focus. You have very personal killing of of families of people with their hands tied behind their backs. You know, in many of these kibbutz and all of these kibbutz, they're right on the border. They're used to rockets. They're used to kind of the threat. They all have safe rooms in their houses. Many people. Would escape, tried to escape to the safe room, but many. It, it happened so fast. It was so early in the morning. They were caught unaware. Um, there's one account uh, of at the kibbutz where uh, Nick was of a family which put their two children in a cupboard, uh, and then uh, they, the family was slaughtered. The children survived in the cupboard. They were only they were rescued hours later when neighbors heard them uh, heard them screaming. were able to finally get to them. So, you know, again, the, this is. These stories are really now just emerging today, and it just it speaks to the brutality that um, that 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 people here experienced, and it's it's really I mean it, it, it it's hard to imagine, and yet um, you hear the same thing over and over and over again from people at different locations.
0: Yeah, I mean you hear them talk about these safe houses, which are, are supposed to protect them from, from those incoming rockets, which are unfortunately part of everyday life, not terrorists coming into their their communities. I mean, given that, though, it just makes the stories of those who, who were able to survive almost unbelievable. And I know you, you spoke with a man who had escaped from the Nova music festival. He was crammed into a bunker with, with 50 other people. And what I couldn't get over when I was listening to you talk to him earlier is how he said he, he pictured Jews who were killed in the Holocaust while he was inside that bunker.
4: Yeah, this is a a man, his first name is uh, Rafael. He was at that music festival. Um, He said he ended up in this uh, shelter, a small bomb shelter essentially, used to protect against rockets. Uh, It ended up with about, he said, 40 to 50 people crammed uh, inside. Uh, And then uh, the, the terrorists came and, Uh, they tossed some sort of device inside. He said that the room filled up with smoke. He said gas. Um, People were suffocating. He said, uh, listen to uh, some of what he told me.
5: I just protected myself. uh, And after hours of that, I just covered myself with uh, dead people, a lot of dead people. So I, I stayed for there inside, like for hours, like just, just waiting for die You know, I, I just wanted to die in peace because I suffered so much, so much. The gas, I, I just inside, in the middle of the gas, I just remembered, I don't know how it was, but now I know, I know how it was. I just started to think how was in, in the Holocaust with the Jews. Like, in 30 seconds, you are dead. And you don't have option. You you cannot breathe, you cannot. It's crazy, it's crazy. I passed it for the hell. I don't know how I'm alive. Everybody was like, dead, with the bodies on the floor, not sitting. I was like, covered with with the people, I was like that. Like, with the dead people. And on the top of them, and without move, because if I move, I know then probably they, they're going to catch me.
4: He said that six people have got out of uh, that uh, that bomb shelter. Uh, he has shrapnel wounds in, in his back, um, and yeah, it's incomprehensible. Caitlin, back to you.
0: It's just hard to even hear him, someone so young and just as he was saying at this music festival, talk about how that that ended for him and so many others. Anderson, thank you. Meanwhile, President Biden confirming in a raw and angry speech today that 14 Americans have been killed in this attack. His national security advisor says that 20 more are still missing tonight. The White House has been reaching out to those families of those who are unaccounted for as intelligence agencies are also working with their Israeli counterparts to try to locate them.
1: I've directed my team to share intelligence and deploy additional experts from across the United States government to consult with and advise Israeli counterparts on hostage recovery recovery efforts. Because as president, I have no higher priority than the safety of Americans being held hostage around the world.
0: One of those Americans who is missing tonight is Adrienne Netta. She is a 66-year-old who was born and raised in Fresno, California. She moved to Israel in 1981 and now lives in Be'eri in southern Israel near the Gaza Strip. Her son Nahar Netta is joining me now. I was at that press conference earlier. Thank you for for being here on on such a painful subject. Have you heard any update on your mom tonight?
2: No, um, the last update that we had with my mom is when um, the call got disconnected with her uh, between my siblings and her when the terrorist um, burged into her home. That was Saturday morning around 9.45 a.m.
0: So you and your siblings, you had been on the phone with her as as Hamas was in in the community and then entered her home. I mean, what did you hear? What did you and your siblings hear on the other end of that call?
2: So initially, um, it was just bombardment, uh, a lot of bombs, a lot of noises. Uh, And then my mom started to report that she's hearing a lot of shouting in Arabic outside of her home, um, along with a lot of shooting. Um, uh, At at this point, we urged uh, my mom to go into the um, safe house, safe room that she has in her house, which she did. And we stayed on the line. Eventually, we heard the terrorists um, attack the house and, and barge into the safe house, safe room. Um, there was a lot of screaming and shouting in Arabic. No shooting, though. And that's uh, where the call got disconnected. And that's the last that we heard um, from my mom or any other information regarding her whereabouts.
0: I heard you say earlier that she has seven... Grandkids. I bet she's a great grandmother. I know you said she's a nurse as well. What else can you can you tell me about what your mom is like?
2: Yeah, um, very special person. Very uh, people loving. Um, devoted her life to to taking care uh, of other people. As a nurse first in communities around the area, and then later on at the regional hospital in, in Um Uh, a happy woman, very active, uh, very sporty, Um, retired um, about a year ago and really devoted her life um, to the grandkids um, and uh, been very involved in their lives. In addition, she was volunteering at a small uh, farm that takes care of uh, youth that kind of got rejected from all other educational systems and, and was very much involved uh, with those kids as well. Um, yeah, uh, came from California in the early '80s. Started a family, rooted in in, in Israel and in the kibbutz where we live. What we made lives. her
0: move to Israel? I know you said you grew up in that kibbutz. What made your mom move there?
2: Yeah, so my mom just followed my dad. He's from he's from over there, and uh, they met in the U.S. and and she fell in love uh, with uh, with him and with the idea of the, the country of Israel. And, and, and she came and joined him and started our, our family in the kibbutz.
0: What kind of, I mean, to hear about the atrocities that have happened in these, these communities where everyone, I know it's not just a typical neighborhood where you kind of know your neighbors and say, hey, I mean, they all work together for the, for the good of the community. I mean, did you ever think that something like this could happen where your mom lives?
2: No, not in my war streams. I mean, it, it hasn't been a, a calm part of the country for a while now. Uh, but uh, usually it's, it's about bombardment and missiles coming from the gas strip and the community learned to deal with that part. mean, um, you go to the safe room, uh, you close up and, and you're safe. Um, as terrible that may sound, um, we got used to that and, and we can we, we learned how to flourish and how to thrive in, in this environment. Uh, but this ferocious and murderous attacks by Hamas terrorists killing women, children, and elderly in their beds in our kibbutz and in our community, we did not expect that. And, and yeah, it's not something that you can um, imagine in your worst dreams.
0: Har, you said something today that Stunned me, which is that you have heard and had zero communication with the Israeli government about your mom. It has now been over three days. Is that still the case tonight? That you've heard nothing from them?
2: Yeah, um, I'm afraid to say that with the Israeli government, that that is still the case. Uh, we did submit all the information to the missing persons um, department, the people who are taking care of it but we have not received any information back um, to date. Um, We are in touch with um, the American Embassy in Tel Aviv who have reached out. Um, I've not provided any information, but they have reached out, along with the State Department um, that reached out um, to let us know that they are aware of the situation and are following it closely, but still did not provide any information uh, regarding the whereabouts of my mother.
0: Well, we know Secretary Blinken will be there in the coming days. Hopefully you will get a meeting with him as well, Nahar. I mean, we are thinking of all of you and of course your mother tonight. Thank you for coming on to share about her tonight.
2: Thank you very much.
0: On the ground in Israel as a response to this attack and what we've seen the prime minister pledging. Tens of thousands of Israeli forces are on the move. More than 300,000 reservists have been called up. Israel says it is preparing for the next phase in this war. We'll be back on the ground in just a moment with Anderson Cooper for an update.
4: And welcome back. We are in Ashdod, Israel, uh, tonight, about 19 or 20 miles or so from uh, the border with Gaza, uh, which is in that direction. And even from this distance, you can, you can feel the impact of artillery shells landing uh, inside Gaza uh, we have seen a barrage of rockets coming out of Gaza uh, today as well or in the areas around Ashkelon and, and elsewhere. Uh, but even from this distance, all throughout, there's this steady, just pounding, booming. Uh, you can actually feel it uh, from, from 20 miles away. As soon as Matthew Chance is on the ground now for us in Tel Aviv. Matthew, let's talk about the next phase of what we may see here. Obviously, uh The IDF is not telegraphing what their intentions are, what their plans are. Uh, There has been a massive call-up of of reservists. There have been uh, large-scale movements of equipment, personnel as well. Um, The big question, of course, is there going to be a, a ground incursion into Gaza to really affect change, to try to get hostages, to try to decapitate the leadership of, of Hamas or, or completely destroy their military capabilities. Hard to see how an operation here does not involve some level of activity on the ground.
6: Yeah, and, and actually, I think that the, the Israeli officials have made it pretty clear that uh, a, a ground offensive is on the cards, although they're not being absolutely you know, definite about when that's going to happen. But you, know, you just look around you see the fact that Israel has, well, first of all, is furious and is filled with horror and rage, as we've been reporting, but has also mobilised or called up 300,000 reserves, it's another 60,000 uh, in the past 24 hours. It's deployed something like 35 battalions of its armed forces around the country in what looks like preparation for a land attack uh, against um, Gaza. And so, yeah, they're not, they're not saying, look, we're definitely going to do this. Um, right now, but you know all the signposts indicate that uh, a ground offensive into Gaza is 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 the next step in this in this war. Um yeah you know, perhaps they're waiting for. Uh, US forces to build up off the coast of Israel. There's already a carrier fleet there. There's another one uh, potentially on its way as well uh, to provide some sort of support perhaps in in case there's a regional backlash against uh, a ground offensive. And I I think that might be what what they're waiting for because other countries, uh, Hezbollah in Lebanon, for instance, have said if there's a ground attack, they would look at, you know, striking Israel as well. And so it's a, a risky strategy, but politically for Benjamin Netanyahu and the Israeli government here, um, it, it looks like it's got a lot of support amongst the Israeli public.
4: Yeah, it certainly does. Matthew Chance, thank you very much. Uh, our coverage continues uh, from, uh, from Israel tonight. For more on what's coming up in Israel's war to, uh, to crush Hamas, Israeli ambassador to the US is joining us
0: next. Tonight, tension is building over just what Israel is planning to strike back at Hamas. Of course, we have already seen near constant airstrikes on Gaza, but Israel's defense minister has now ordered what he calls a, quote, complete siege of the Gaza Strip. And there are questions tonight over exactly what that means, especially after this comment earlier today from President Biden's National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan.
7: My understanding is that is not the, the concept of siege is not something that, in fact, uh, is going to be pursued by the Israeli government.
0: That comment from the White House National Security Advisor came just a short time after President Biden and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu spoke by phone for what has been the several time in recent days. And joining me now is the Israeli ambassador to the U.S., Michael Herzog. Ambassador, thank you so much for being here tonight. You heard Jake Sullivan's comments today saying that they do not believe that Israel is pursuing a siege in Gaza. But, of course, the defense minister of Israel said there is going to be a complete siege, which includes cutting off power, food, water and fuel. How do you reconcile those two statements?
3: So let me explain the situation. We are at war, this is the fourth day of the war. The war was waged on us, imposed on us by Hamas, and we all see the scene and the massacre of uh, civilians. Uh, the border right now between Israel and Gaza is closed. This is a war zone. And uh, we uh, are, no, are under no in the legal obligation to provide them with anything, save for the basic humanitarian needs for their sustenance, and we comply with international law. Uh, Let's talk about facts, talk about electricity. The 10 electricity power lines delivering electricity from Israel to Gaza were destroyed by Hamas rockets. I can go on and on. The uh, passage between Israel and Gaza, which serves their humanitarian purposes, was destroyed by them. So they cut their own humanitarian lifeline. They have a lifeline coming from Egypt, the border with Egypt. But uh, everything we are doing, we are applying pressure on Hamas, uh, having wage war on Israel, but we are complying with international law.
0: We are told that there are 100 to 150 hostages that are being held in Gaza. Yesterday, you told Wolf Blitzer that there are not negotiations happening for their release. Is that still the case tonight, sir?
3: Uh, Yes, we are still in the process of uh, forming a picture about the number of uh, hostages, their identities, their situation, their medical situation, who is alive, who is not alive, unfortunately. And uh, there are not only Israelis there, also Americans and others uh, among them. We ask the international community to call upon Hamas to release them unconditionally because taking hostages is a war crime. And uh, we are in close touch with the U.S. administration to uh, to get a better understanding of uh, their uh, situation. We are not talking about negotiations with Hamas. We do are you, currently at war them
0: Ambassador, do you believe that some of the hostages have been killed?
3: Uh, we're not sure about their situation, and uh, so I want to be careful in uh, the way I respond to that. We are, again, we're still uh, forming our picture, trying to better understand uh, their situation.
0: There are victims, uh, families, some of those who their relatives are missing tonight still, and they say they haven't heard from the Israeli government. Is the government committed to reaching out to all of those who have family members who are missing, who they still have questions about where they are?
3: So first of all, we're still counting the bodies. We have uh, over 1,000 bodies on the Israeli side, uh, as I said, massacred by Hamas. And we haven't completed the process of identifying them. So we don't uh, 100% know who is missing on the Gaza side of the border. Uh, We are in touch with a lot of families. And uh, we're in the process of opening a call center where any family can call. provide information and get information from our authorities. And we're also in touch with the relevant uh, corresponding American authorities in this uh, respect.
0: Ambassador, there are obviously civilians in Gaza. You talked about uh, what the Israel response is going to be there. Some of those who are still in Gaza tonight include Palestinian Americans, people who are visiting. One of them is a mother of three young children. She spoke to Jake Tapper earlier, and this is what she said.
5: Today, I was going trying to get out from Gaza. I was going uh, to Rafah border, and uh, while we're going there, we tried multiple ways to get out of uh, uh, Gaza, going to Rafah to the south. Uh, We couldn't make it at all.
0: Obviously, Ambassador, you can hear what sounds like, like rocket fire there in the background. My question is, where are those who are either visiting Gaza or who live in Gaza, the civilians, the innocent civilians, not members of Hamas, where are they supposed to go?
3: So uh, we're in touch with uh, Egyptian and U.S. authorities to facilitate the exit of uh, foreigners from Gaza, American citizens and others. And I believe they will find solution. I cannot uh, relate to uh, their freedom of movement inside Gaza because Gaza is a war zone, but we will facilitate their exit.
0: Does that include the Rafa crossing? Yes. Because I believe it was hit today.
3: It's the the Rafa crossing uh, is uh, temporarily closed, but I think there is a way of getting people out. And uh, this is the only crossing that uh, can get uh, people out because uh, the border with Israel is totally closed. There's still fighting along this border. The crossing itself was destroyed by Hamas, so the only way out is through the Egyptian border.
0: And, Ambassador, this is important. Do you believe that Egypt is going to to allow them to cross the Gazans?
3: Uh, I cannot speak on behalf of the Egyptian government, but I am confident that they will allow it.
0: Ambassador Michael Herzog, that's some news there. Thank you very much for your time tonight.
3: Thank you very much.
0: Also, we have new video just in that shows the aftermath of the massacre at a music festival on Saturday where at least 260 bodies have been recovered. So many families tonight are still desperate for answers on their loved ones who were at that festival and never came home. Wolf Blitzer spoke to one of their families and joins us next. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app.
4: Terror from the music festival in Israel where Hamas militants murdered at least 260 people. As we're getting this new video in the aftermath of the massacre, the the massacre Wolf Blitzer spoke to two Israeli brothers who are desperate to find out if their 22-year-old brother Ori
8: is still alive
0: in a vehicle. He had picked up two other people along the way. This is what his brothers told Wolf.
8: Ori called again to our father, told told him that he is surrounded uh, by many terrorists that are shooting on them with machine guns, Kalachnikov, and hand grenades. Uh, He updated my father that he must to take an action. He he must to confront them because he don't want to stay like a duck on the uh, the road. He don't want to leave the car and hide in the bushes. Speed up against them, but they shoot the car. He lost control, and as a result, the car flipped twice, and he lost his conscience, while the two girls in the car had minor injuries. The girls yeah. pretended to be dead. But after 20 minutes, uh, our brother Rory started to regain his conscience, but the terrorists noticed it, and in an act of pure evil, like don't have any other word to describe it, they shoot him again in a scene that's taken yeah. from the Holocaust period or something like that.
0: And Wolf Blitzer joins us now. Wolf, I mean, these brothers, unfortunately, as we all know and who we've spoken with, they're not alone in what they're going through. So many people have lost loved ones, are still searching for them. It's hard to think that, you know, Wolf, you and I were just there a year ago when President Biden visited Israel. I mean, how deeply do you believe, and from what you've heard, has this just shaken Israel?
9: I've been calling friends uh, in, in Israel every day since this war erupted Saturday morning. And it clearly has shaken the Israeli people of all political of all political stripes. Uh, they're so so disappointed that the Israeli intelligence community, the military, failed to appreciate what Hamas was up to, and, and this horrible massacre uh, has occurred. Uh, uh, by all accounts, a thousand more than a thousand Israelis were killed in, in just one day by these Hamas terrorists, and it's it's something that the Israelis didn't necessarily believe was in the cards, but it clearly happened. So it's really shaken the people of Israel. And then when they see all the stories that have been reported in Israel, being reported here, being reported all over the world, these human interest stories about these mothers who are missing their children, the children who are missing their mothers and grandparents, uh, all these little kids who were killed and captured, it's just so heartbreaking to hear about all of this. And the people in Israel clearly are shaken by this.
4: Well, many of our viewers know, you're the son of Holocaust survivors. We saw a, a Holocaust survivor taken captive by H- Hamas. This attack has, some have called it here, in Israel's 9-11. Can you talk about how different this feels from, from previous attacks in Israel?
9: Well, there have been uh, wars, full-scale wars uh, in Israel with Egypt uh, and with Syria, and I've covered those wars. Uh, there have been a lot of terrorist incidents. But usually those terrorist incidents where a suicide bomber goes into a Sabaro pizza a, a pizza place in Jerusalem, blows himself up, but kills a whole bunch of Israelis in the process. This is different. Uh, and I think it's really the first time we've seen these terrorists go into a kibbutz, for example, and just start killing everyone, little kids, uh, adults, grandparents, just everyone, killing as many people as they possibly can. And that incident at that musical festival that was going on where the 250 People, young people, mostly young people who were just attending a music festival, were were killed brutally. And this is a this is a new development. I think it's unprecedented. If you speak to Israeli experts, they'll tell you that as well.
0: I mean, Wolf, the anger you could just hear it in President Biden's voice earlier. I think it as covering him. I think it was the angriest I've ever heard him since he has taken office. And it it certainly seemed to be. And you obviously covered the White House, Wolf, as well. One of the most forceful statements from a U.S. president in support of Israel that that we have ever seen.
9: You're absolutely right. I've covered a lot of these presidents and I've heard many presidents make very powerful, important statements about Israel over these many years. I wrote a book on U.S.-Israeli relations that came out in the 1980s called Between Washington and Jerusalem that Oxford University Press published. And so I've studied this, this area and I don't think I've heard an American president Speak with the emotion and that pro-Israel attitude as we heard today from from President Biden. He was extremely powerful, extremely sympathetic to the Israelis. He said what the Israelis wanted to hear. He promised that the U.S. would be there for Israel no matter what. That's precisely what the Israelis want. They don't want necessarily U.S. boots on the ground. Israel has never really asked for that. They don't need it. But they need the U.S. for military support. And that's what the president is promising them. And that's what the Israelis will get.
0: Yeah, and we saw some of that support arriving tonight. Wolf Blitzer in Washington, Anderson Cooper in Israel. Thank you both.
9: Thanks.
0: Also tonight, of course, there is a cliffhanger happening in Congress as things are about to get very intense in that dome in the next 24 hours. It is truly anyone's guess tonight. What is going, guess what is going to happen? How the speaker battle that is playing out in Washington could affect military aid that Wolf was just mentioning to Israel. We'll speak to a lawmaker next. President Biden tonight calling on Congress to take urgent action to support Israel. But the House still, I should note, can't take any legislative action given there is still no House speaker. The two main contenders for that job, Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan, made their case to fellow Republicans tonight behind closed doors. The House conference, the House Republican conference, I should note, is set to hold secret ballot elections as soon as 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. But it is still not clear tonight here at 9.49 p.m., if either of them can get 217 votes, which would be needed. Republican Congressman Mike Lawler is here of New York, is here and joins me now. Congressman, first let's start on aid to Israel because President Biden is asking Congress to take that urgent action. How does that happen given there is no House Speaker tonight?
7: Well, this is precisely why uh, Kevin McCarthy never should have been removed as Speaker to begin with. Uh, You had eight Republicans and 208 Democrats team up to remove a duly-elected speaker. Uh, And look, events change at a moment's notice. Uh, If you're going to do something like this, you better have a plan. And I think that's part of the challenge here and the frustration and the anger uh, among many of us uh, who did not want to see this happen. Uh, Obviously, we need to elect a speaker so that we can get back to uh, the work of the American people. Uh, and aid to Israel is going to be uh, the top priority uh, as soon as we can get uh, the House floor open again. Uh, I I think it is imperative, uh, obviously, that we stand with our closest ally uh, in the Middle East, uh, a beacon of democracy, uh, Israel, and fight back against Hamas, uh, a terrorist organization funded by Iran uh, and backed by uh, the mullahs, and the Ayatollah, and we need to hold them accountable. Uh, You have 14 Americans killed, hundreds Mm. of Israelis killed, uh, women, children beheaded. Uh, It is shameful, it is disgusting, it is barbaric. uh, And we have members of Congress who can't even denounce it. Rashida Tlaib tonight, walking through the Capitol, refused to comment on children being beheaded. Uh, This is what we're dealing with right now in America. Uh, You had the DSA having a a, a rally in support of the Palestinians uh, and and people holding swastikas in Times Square. It is shameful. I have hundreds of constituents, hundreds, who are stuck in Israel right now and cannot get home because commercial airlines are not operating in Israel. I've, call, I've spoken to the White House, I've spoken uh, to uh, the State Department. We need to get military uh, airplanes into uh, Israel to help evacuate uh, citizens of the United States who want to come home.
0: And what is has the this State, State Department perilous, said about that, This Congressman? is a
7: perilous situation. frankly. Uh, The administration didn't really get on the issue of the airlines until today in my conversations. And and I've been raising this issue for two days.
0: But what did the administration say when you talked about this idea? I mean, we've heard from people who are in Israel that are trying to get home and having a lot of difficulty either finding a flight to anywhere, but much less to the United States. I mean, what did the State Department say to your request?
7: They said they're working on it. And and I have to tell you, we need to work faster. You have uh, thousands of Americans— who are in Israel right now. Obviously, we have people who are being held hostage. I think we need to do everything in our power to get those folks home safely. Uh, This is a very uh, dangerous situation. Uh, For the first time in 50 years, Israel has declared uh, war, and justly, uh, and we need to do everything we can, both from a financial standpoint, from a military standpoint, uh, and from a humanitarian yeah. standpoint well, to support to do that, Israel,
0: and I should note that what we've heard from the administration, and we've been asking them these questions, obviously about these 14 Americans and the, the that have been killed, and obviously the 20 more that Jake Sullivan said today were unaccounted for in his briefing. But uh, let's talk about the being able to pass a support uh, support to Israel, which is what you have the capability of doing if you get a House Speaker. Your party met behind closed doors tonight to talk about who could be the next House Speaker was any consensus reached what happened in that meeting
7: both uh, announced candidates uh, made their case to the conference a lot of people asked questions uh, both of them uh, gave you know direct answers to the conference uh, we're going to be meeting tomorrow at 10am uh, following a classified briefing on the situation in Israel uh, and have a vote and we'll see if someone can get to uh, you know 217 uh, votes within and the And who conference. will you be supporting? Uh, I have not declared uh, who I will be supporting. Uh, I, have I think you decided? At the end of the day, not yet. I think at the end of the day, we need to obviously unify. We need to elect a speaker and get back to governing. Uh, there are a lot of challenges facing the American people from spending and our poorest southern border to the crisis in Israel, uh, Ukraine, uh, and so on. So there are a yeah. lot of challenges ahead that we need to get back to uh, the business of governing. Uh, and uh, obviously, I'm hopeful that we can unify and elect a speaker so we can. Well, are do you the confident that that American will happen
0: people. tomorrow? Uh,
7: look, we are going to have a vote, and we'll see where uh, you know where it falls, and then take it from there. I am not going to uh, put a time frame on this. I think the reality is uh, obviously. Uh, Many folks are very uh, frustrated by what happened last week. Uh, And, you know, ultimately, uh, the conference is going to have to come together uh, behind a speaker. But just to uh, be clear, it doesn't
0: sound like that there has been any consensus reached as of tonight. Is that what you're saying, Congressman?
7: Well, we we haven't had a vote. You have two candidates that are running. And so the vote will take place tomorrow and we'll see what comes out of that. I don't think anybody uh, can say how that that vote is going to land.
0: Okay, Congressman Mike Lawler, we will be on Capitol Hill tomorrow. We will see what does happen in that secret election ballot tomorrow. Thank you for your time tonight. Thank you. Up next, many Israelis in America are rushing back to join the fight. Israeli reservists, including this New Yorker, will tell you his story right after this. Tonight, one Israeli man and his one-way ticket are making headlines in the war effort. Noy Lieb lives and works here in New York City. But when he learned of Hamas's surprise attack on his home country, he packed his bags. Noy booked the first flight that he could back to Israel. He arrived there on Sunday evening, joining his elite paratrooper unit. He explained to CNN why he decided to leave New York. And this is a quote from him. He said, it's just feeling that it's my duty, it's my calling. Of course, he is one of many of the reservists who have joined up to fight and go with their country following those devastating attacks from Hamas on Saturday. We'll continue following it all here on The Source. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. CNN Newsnight with Abby Phillips starts right now.
9: Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash call me country. Max subscription required.